On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. We've seen strong incomes coming in the farmers, but we've also been seeing our cost rise. Iowa's economy relies on a strong agricultural base. So what's the ag outlook for 2023? Time to focus again on energy trends. And in our business profile, we'll tell you about an auction company that is completely online selling some pretty large items. This is the Iowa Business Report for the first weekend of March 2023. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. The 36th annual Hawkeye Farm Show was held at the Unidome in Cedar Falls this past week. The show typically attracts 12 to 15,000 attendees over three days. One of the most popular presenters at the annual event is Dr. Chad Hart, an Iowa State University economics professor who traditionally presents his outlook for ag for the year. And once again this year, I asked him to share some of the headlines as they relate to Iowa's economic well-being. Probably the headline points are this. One, ag has been in a really good spot the last couple of years. We've seen strong incomes coming in the farmers, but we've also been seeing our cost rise. I think the challenge here for 2023 is that income potential is going to be coming down. We've seen that cost rise, but we're also seeing demand weakness, especially as we look at international markets. So things will get tighter in farm country as we grow on out over the next year, but arguably we'll still be in a fairly decent spot, I think, at the end of the year. Just a little belt tightening moving forward. How much is inflation causing a problem with that belt tightening? And I asked the question this way because as prices started to go up last year for things like fertilizer, for a variety of reasons, supply chain, wars in far off regions, I kept hearing, well, we're all right this year, but wait till next year because of the way people had either secured materials or paid for them. So where do we stand overall with inputs and inflation? Well, that's the deal. That is part of the mix here. We have seen that inflation in our input costs. So that's, if you will, that's raising the cost on the one side for the farmer. The other thing that's happening with inflation is it's slowing down consumer demand, which means it's helping lower the prices that we capture as well. So you can think of inflation sort of squeezing on both ends right now on the farm balance sheet raising the cost and lowering potential revenues. Well, that's a double shot. That's not just belt tightening. Not well. It is when you still are being able to maintain that profit margin. And when we're looking at where prices are at today, for example, even though we've seen over the past few days within the markets, prices have been coming down, but I would argue we're still at profitable levels on the farm. Anytime I can talk about corn in the upper fives to six dollar range, we're probably in profit levels. When I'm talking beans in the teens, we still got some profit out there because our best estimates of production cost right now would be about $5 on the corn side, would be about $12 on the soybean side. So we've got an extra 75 cents to a dollar right now of margin that's still out there. Now, can that disappear in a heartbeat? Yes, it can. But the idea is we have that right now. We've seen our cost rise and we've been able to bring in still enough revenue to cover that. That's the hope as we're looking forward. Can we maintain enough consumer demand out there to basically match where costs are? Consumer demand is always an issue. You've got global factors. You've got output domestically, you know, the derivative products that I may go to the store and buy. And as my bankroll is tighter, do we see this 
sort of as a domino effect through the year based upon broad monetary policy. Oh, we do see it a little bit, and I think it's one of these deals of, I call it a slow erosion. You know, what we have seen, I would think, on the ag side is we saw the international impact of inflation before we really started to see it domestically. When I'm looking at domestic consumption, it is still very strong. I've talked to you know, a lot of folks and they're worried about the possibility of recession. And I keep reminding them, I'm like, if we're in a recession right now, it's one of the strangest ones I've ever seen because almost every business I know of has a help wanted sign out there. And that help wanted sign is basically flashing consumer demand is still really good. You wouldn't need that extra person in that business if it weren't for the consumer demand for the products that business is creating and selling. And so that's one of the things here is that we have seen our consumer demand sort of buck the inflation problem. We've been willing to pay more to get the products that we need. And we've had the income to do that with. The question is, how much longer can we keep that up? And I think that's the concern we all have is, do we see this inflation stacking around long enough to truly slow down that consumer demand? That brought up a couple of thoughts, and one with regard to the workforce. We've got a fairly low labor participation rate, do we not? And, and that really just, again, complicates the situation. It's not as easy for a layperson, certainly, to analyze, but uh, it probably throws a few crimps in an economist's uh, formulation, too. Oh, it definitely does, because this is something we haven't really seen before. And COVID really brought on some very quick changes that everybody's still trying to figure out. What does this mean for our general economy? And you brought up a big one here, the labor participation rate. We have seen that shrink since COVID, and we haven't seen it bounce back after the pandemic passed. And so the problem here is, is that we do have too few people right now looking at too many job opportunities. And in fact, what you're seeing is sort of, let's call it job cycling for lack of a better term. A lot of our younger individuals out there, they're moving through jobs very quickly looking for that next opportunity. And let's face it, right now there are those opportunities. Basically every convenience store, gas station, fast food restaurant, you know, places like Walmart and Target, they're all competing for that, let's call it entry level person. Well, that means we've watched that initial wage rate go up and up and up. I mean, let's face it, anymore now, if I look at Walmart, I know they're gonna be advertising, you know, we're paying $15 a, an hour to get people in the door. So it's no longer just competing at minimum wage, it's competing at the minimum wage that will get you that next person. All right, so for those of us who are not economists, what are a few things that we might look at as the year goes on either trends or data, et cetera, that may help us understand things, uh, things that you may be looking at in a much more detailed way, but what are some signposts that uh, an average person like me might be looking for to see if we've got a robust farm economy? Well, I think on the farm economy, first and foremost, I'll say, watch for how planting progress moves this spring, because that will give a good indication of the potential of larger supplies as we look towards the fall. Then another thing I'm really watching are export sales, again. International demand is where we've struggled, if you will, over this past year or so. Do we see that international demand bounce back or does it remain suppressed as it is right now? And then I think the third thing I'm going to be watching here is, let's call it the conversations about the farm bill as we look forward. Because Congress really takes up the farm bill and they try to attack the issues that they see financially within agriculture. But if they're not seeing big issues there, that tends to mean the farm bill discussion is rather muted. And so one of the things I'll be watching is the tenor of those discussions. Do you see that picking up as we move through the year? That's indicating that 
maybe the farm community is seeing some struggles coming down the line where they want that farm bill protection in place. Would you recommend if uh, members of the Ag Committee called you and said, uh, okay, you saw the one five years ago, what should we be focused on in the new 2023 bill? What are a few things? Well, I, I think the farm bills often are reactionary. We go back and look and say, what was our biggest problem over the last five years? And when you think about what we had this past five years, it was a combination of we had some trade issues early on within this last farm bill and then the pandemic hit. And what the federal government did was it stepped up with a lot of income support, not only for agriculture, but across the entire general economy. So then the question becomes, okay, are we comfortable with the safety net that we've put underneath agriculture, or do we feel we need to build in more of this general income support over time? My guess is that as they're looking forward right now, they're probably going to say, you know, ag fared fairly well the past few years. The idea is we do have a solid safety net with the combination of the Farm Bill programs and crop insurance. Do we just look to sort of enhance that maybe a little bit? Could be through premium subsidies on the crop insurance. It could be on enhanced pricing when we look within our Farm Bill programs. But I don't necessarily see large-scale changes to what they're going to do with the Farm Bill. Dr. Chad Hart of Iowa State University. We spoke in Cedar Falls on Wednesday, March 1st. Still to come, registration is now open for a popular annual workshop. And later, buying heavy machinery through an online auction site. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello, Iowa. This is Michael Swanger, owner of Iowa History Journal. Pick up our March-April issue, which kicks off our riveting series about Grenville Dodge, the architect of the Transcontinental Railroad and Union Army General who specialized in military intelligence during the Civil War. It's the kind of in-depth story that you will only read in Iowa History Journal. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Hy-Vee, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and iowahistoryjournal.com. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. Registration for the second annual Energy Trends Workshop is now open. We told you about the inaugural event last year. The 2023 workshop will be held on Thursday, May 4th from 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the West Des Moines Marriott Convention Center. The workshop focuses on current and future energy trends in our state. This year's keynote speaker is Robert Bryce, a Texas-based author and film producer and host of the Power Hungry podcast. He's been covering energy, power, innovation, and politics for three decades. For more information or to register, go to the Iowa Waste Reduction Center website, iwrc.org. Coming up, the still new world of online auctions. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Help Wanted sign is out at Camp Courageous near Monticello, Iowa. Year-round and seasonal paid positions are now available. Camp Courageous is a recreational and respite care facility for individuals of all ages with disabilities, and it operates thanks to donations. Year-round positions include a comprehensive health insurance plan and the top pay, benefits, and accommodations around. To learn more about being a part of camp, go to campcourageous.org. 
Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In our business profile segment this week, you'll meet Lad Wessels, Eastern Iowa Territory Manager for Purple Wave Auction, which is gaining in popularity throughout Iowa and the rest of the Midwest. Purplewave.com. We are an online auction. We do anywhere from two to five auctions each and every week. We do several different auctions, you know, construction, ag, of course, truck, trailer, things like that. So what we do that for is so our marketing folks can get the product in front of the right eyeballs and get the right buyers on it. And our marketing crew does a great job. Heavens, I tell people all the time, we're more of a marketing company that happens to do auctions than anything else, but uh, we do it all well. You're an online auction, and that means you have a potentially infinite number of bidders and buyers. That's right, Jeff. I talked to folks. I was just talking to uh, a gentleman down there that talked about a local auction, and I just said exactly what you're saying. Local auctions, and not to bash anything, but local auction is going to bring a, a local crowd where online auctions bring a countrywide, heavens, a worldwide audience to the platform, and, and we do sell across the world. In fact, one of the auctions I have coming up, Carter & Associates down in Coralville, Iowa, is having a retirement. He's just retiring and moving on to the next phase of his life, as he says. He's got a heck of a nice offering. I mean, really, really late model, low hour excavators, wheel loaders, skid steers, uh, service trucks, dump truck, and just it's like 150 some lots that he has. We close a couple items every minute type thing is how it sort of works and uh, we're very excited to see how that works out. So I can watch this in real time. I could put in a bid early but then I can watch until the uh, termination of that particular item so I can just see online and and see yes. if it's time to goose the bid up a bit. Yes, and what we have is, you know, if you got online and let's say something's sitting at whatever the number is, I'm making numbers up, but yeah. if it's sitting at $2,000 and you say to yourself, you say, Jeff, I would be willing to spend $10,000 on that item. You can put in the $2,000 bid, then you can put in a max bid of $10,000, and then you can watch it. Yeah, you watch it the whole time. Within a day of it closing, we'll have a countdown clock on the actual asset so you'll see that it might have five hours and 23 you know minutes and 12 seconds left when it gets down to five minutes if somebody bids on that item let's say it's down to like two minutes if somebody bids on that item at two minutes that clock will reset automatically to five minutes and that'll keep on going until there's no more bids for that asset so theoretically something can you know be closing for you know, an hour or two easily. But that is so interesting to me because I don't do this anymore, but at times, you know, you'd try to buy something on eBay and you'd watch it tick down and if your internet was slow, you didn't quite get in, you lose out. This guarantees a fair shot, not only for buyers, but for sellers, you don't have to worry about leaving any money on the table. Right, exactly right. That five minutes gives a buyer a chance to make a, you know, a business decision because that's what they're doing. They're sure. buying assets for their business to go do work for them. What you got to worry about if you're watching it and that clock starts blinking, you better get your bid in. And that happens at about 12 seconds left. Uh, once it starts blinking, it's going to stop at any second. It usually doesn't get that far. And, <laughs> and if it does, somebody's really thinking hard about what they're doing. 
So how did you folks get into this kind of business? I mean, we're well familiar with more traditional auctions, but again, having the, the world of the Internet, that just changes the dynamic. Well, Purple Wave started back in 2001-ish. Their corporate offices is Manhattan, Kansas, and that's where Kansas State Wildcats are at. And they happen to wear purple like the UNI Panthers do. And uh, that's kind of how the name came about. The warehouse is an old beer distributor, so you, you know how the beer trucks come in one side and go out the other. They used to have live auctions that way, and they'd sell anything from Beanie Babies to lampshades, whatever they can get their hands on. 2008, we went 100% online with bigger equipment, and we've been online ever since 08, and it's just been a great run for them, and, uh, and I'm proud to be part of the team, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. One day I'm with Combines, the next it might be a bulldozer or something. So it's something new, new people, new faces, and uh, we have a blast. So as you've noted through this conversation, yes, you're serving the egg community, but also construction with the upcoming sale. That's certainly not the first time you've done that. That sort of stuff. Yep, construction, we do truck trailers, vehicles and equipment, so we have a wide range of assets that we have online at all times. So this really does open up opportunities for people, and I assume it's pretty beneficial for those sellers because, again, I don't know much about this, but if you're scheduling uh, an auction, and maybe it's a retirement sale, well, what happens if the weather isn't good? What happens if uh, the right bidders don't make the trip? There's nothing wrong with the traditional auction, but this just allows you to take out some of those things where things might go wrong. That's right, especially up here in Iowa. We have a, a guy up in Minnesota. We have a guy over in North Dakota, and you know what the weather can be like. So with the snowfall and everything, sometimes it just could not work out, and it works out great. And we do a heck of a good job with our pictures, with our videos to tell a story of the asset because sometimes, a lot of times, in fact, people will not actually look at the asset. They will rely on us and our pictures and our videos to tell them the story of that thing and make their business choices that way. And the video aspect, it's so much easier now than even five years ago. And that really makes something come alive, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely, yep. What we want to do is show everything on that. Let's say it's an excavator. We want to show everything on at work. So it might take a two-minute video, three-minute video. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to watch it, but it shows you that everything works. Or if it doesn't, you'll see that also. We want to be very transparent, and we are. We come to you, and we do all the pictures, all the videos, and we do all that work for the seller. What kind of uh, trade area, then, do you cover? Obviously, founded in Manhattan, Kansas. Here you are at the Hawkeye Farm Show. Obviously, bidders can come from anywhere, but I'm just wondering, is there an area that you focus on, area of the country? Yep, you're exactly right. Bidders can come from anywhere. We have guys like myself, basically, from Canada to Mexico to Denver, Colorado, a little bit west to uh, Chicago and a little bit east, and we're slowly just expanding. If somebody wants to sell in Florida, we can still do it. We'll just have one of our guys that do the picturing jump on an airplane, fly to them and take pictures and get it online. It's not a problem. On the website, they'll see a, a map of the country, and you can just get inside where you're at and click on it. My mug might pop up if you're in my area, you know, and, <laughs> and then from there, there's my phone number. You can call us that route. I'm obviously online, purplewave.com. Our phone numbers are there. There is something you can get online, and you can uh, put in something to our website that will actually be forwarded off to us guys out here in the field, and we'll get in touch with you. So there's several different ways you can reach out to us and get a hold of us, and we'd love to hear from you. Lad Wessels, Eastern Iowa Territory Manager for Purple Wave Auction, online at purplewave.com. We spoke at the Hawkeye Farm Show in Cedar Falls on Tuesday, February 28th. 
And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. That's where you'll find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.